Something is off in Elm Lake. The constant snow, the fact that everyone has been hiding inside, the stunning lack of breakfast sandwiches, and then the dolls. Everywhere you look, there are dolls. They have free reign over Elm Lake with all of the citizens hiding inside, and they have definitely been taking advantage, positioning themselves for some unknown purpose. Their poses almost make them seem as though they are reaching for something, calling out to an unknown entity. I am calling from Elm Lake. I have been slowly venturing out of my home. The streets are still mostly bare, at least of other people. The snow keeps piling higher and higher, making walking difficult. I thought at first that I should bring my basket along with me, but quickly realized that any treasures I could want to collect would be buried under the drifts. That, and there's a certain vulnerability found in carrying that. With the dolls perched everywhere I look, I don't really want to be vulnerable right now. But I've made it out. I keep hoping to see someone else walking outside, but the streets have always been devoid of other people. I walk past the strange brick building, the one that reminds me so much of a place I spent many mornings in. I keep thinking that some sort of business should be there, but I can't quite grasp at the memory. Down the street from that bare wall, I do see a couple of new businesses. At least, they appear to be businesses from where I first noticed them. As I draw closer, though, there's something just a little off. There are windows, but no actual reflection. Like the glass is just a sticker. The doors showcase a doorknob, but again, it's like a two-dimensional picture instead of a three-dimensional object. The stores are fake, or they seem to be that way upon further inspection. They look good from a distance, but the illusion is shattered the closer you get to them. Honestly, it's almost like I'm looking at a busy street display from a children's toy. The whole thing seems very illusory. The only thing that seems real, other than our homes of course, is the glass eye. In fact, it feels more real than it ever has before, almost as though it's growing and expanding. I need to return to the glass eye. I need to find answers because these questions are getting too big for me to ignore. I know, you want to see your friends again. I promise you'll be able to come with me. But you're right. We should have tea first. She's cold, 
and I need to stop at home anyway. I have a feeling that my basket will actually be important for this next voyage. I still haven't been able to puzzle out anything about the doll that was left for me in the broadcast studio. I've taken it home, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't make faces, it doesn't move, and there's no pull cord to make them speak. I feel that there has to be something more and deeper about these dolls, since I kept seeing more and more citizens having one of their own. Or more than one in certain cases. But it doesn't do anything. There's nothing special about it. Or is that a trick of the mind being played on me? Does it seem as though there's nothing special about the doll because there's actually nothing special about me? That's a sobering thought. And one that makes me wonder if my discovery of the broadcast studio was anything more than a simple stroke of dumb luck. I would ask Amelia, but she hasn't been free for quite some time. Besides, the snow is still falling, and nobody in their right mind is wandering out into these streets. It seems shocking to me that I haven't run out of supplies, but somehow I've been provided for. I haven't wanted for anything over the course of this storm. If I've been cared for somehow, I'm sure the rest of the town has been as well. When I think about it though, maybe I haven't run out of supplies because I don't know if I fully recall the last time I ate anything. Maybe yesterday? The day before? My stomach should be rumbling, but I don't feel hungry. Nor do I feel thirsty. I've slept that much I know, but it's almost as though my other needs have been met even when I haven't been cognizant of that happening. It hasn't been a conscious thought, so it's entirely possible that I've been eating and drinking on instinct, but surely I would have noticed my kitchen becoming bare in the face of this storm. I'm clearly thinking too deeply about this. My mind has been given freedom to wander, and it's spinning over the most random of things. A few days ago, I thought for a moment that a part of my abdomen had been covered over with a thin sheen of plastic. I spent minutes poking and prodding at that spot, feeling for any sort of give. Eventually, I was satisfied that it was a mere flight of fancy and that my skin was still skin. But those moments in between, 
understandably concerning. I need to get out. I've allowed myself to be cooped up in my home for far too long. I need to feel my muscles straining to push my body forward, carving a path through the ever-deepening snowdrifts. I can hear what sounds like a clarion call coming from the broadcast studio, luring me back to the safety of those lights and dials. I need to return, and the fact that I've been absent for so long feels like a knife in my chest. Bundling up against the wind, I slowly open the door to my home. The streets are still empty of people, and the wind swirls the gentle snowflakes into mini cyclones. I feel the bite against my skin, and for the first time in weeks, I feel more alive than I've felt in a long time. As I'm closing the door, I swear where I hear the doll whispering to me, asking to be carried with. It takes every ounce of my mental strength to deny it, and I close the door quickly. Whatever I'm going to do, I don't feel that it can see it. It seems like a silly thought, but there's something about the doll that I'm having a hard time trusting even though it's been my only companion for these recent weeks. I hurry down the street, trying to get as far away from the doll and my home as possible. It's almost a panic that drives me forward, and I'm not paying close attention to where my feet take me. I pass the empty brick facade, some new establishments that don't yet have welcoming lights flickering from inside and I eventually find myself at the intersection that will take me to the broadcast studio. For some reason, I look back over my shoulder, down the main street of Elm Lake. For a moment, I almost swear that I can see the solitary form of Jenny Fowler making her way towards the glass eye. I blink, shake my head, and look again. When my eyes focus, I don't see anyone on the streets, and there are no footprints in the snow other than my own. Clearly a trick of the mind, one brought on by my own self-imposed isolation. I need to make it to the studio to my solace. Once I'm there, I'll be able to process everything that I've been experiencing. Hopefully, I'll come to some answers. The night is dark. The streets are empty. Except for me, of course. This isn't abnormal, as I've often wandered the streets alone, long after everyone has gone to sleep. But it feels abnormal because I've experienced the same emptiness in the middle of the day ever since the Moon Festival. It's like Elm Lake has been shrouded in a thick blanket, and the dolls have been providing more than the citizens dreamed that they needed. I know, you've been helping. You're very helpful. All your family is. 
I need to keep reassuring her. She's been very nervous, especially lately. I walk the streets. I have my basket on my arm, and within it, there's only one small item. A small spool of ribbon, red and bright. I found it the night before the Moon Festival, and I felt like I needed to bring it with me. I don't know exactly why, it just seemed important. My doll is in the crook of my other arm, and I almost think for a moment that I can feel her wiggling, trying to escape. Or maybe to dissuade me from my course of action? I can't quite tell, but I know it must be a trick of the mind. She's a doll. She isn't sentient. That would be dark magic. And we all know that such magic would carry a cost. The streets lay out before me, and I walk. To my left, I see the intersection that leads towards Anthony's broadcast studio. I feel a tug to head that direction, to find comfort and safety in the little space that Anthony has carved out. It's quiet, and it gives a space to reach out to others. But no, that isn't where I need to be headed right now. There are questions that need answers, and there's only one place where I can find them. I reach the front of the glass eye. I look down the street one more time, stealing myself before heading inside. I have no reason to believe that the shop will be open, and yet I know that the door will provide no resistance. As I'm looking down the street, I see that Anthony has left his own home, and appears to be headed towards his studio. I want to call out to him, but a quick wind whips up and I know that my voice wouldn't carry. Let him have his safety. If he isn't plagued by the same questions I am, there is no need to bother him with whatever is troubling my mind. Two more deep breaths, and I reach my hand towards the door of the glass eye. My basket swings wildly on that arm, and I almost drop the doll nestled in the other. My ribbon catches the light, and the red of it almost flashes like a warning. I push it all out of my mind, open the door, and step inside. Warmth surrounds me. Lights illuminate the space and gentle music fills the air. The shelves are bare, but they're always bare. There are more shelves than were here before, of that I'm certain. I step forward, my own footsteps echoing on the hardwood floor. Was the floor always wooden? I can't remember. Just like I don't remember if there was ever music in the store before. But those aren't the questions I'm trying to answer. My voice feels hoarse in my throat. After what feels like forever, I am able to croak out a simple, hello? And I find myself waiting for an answer. Oh, hello, darling. It's so good to see you. And you brought your doll with? Isn't that precious? Can I see her? Jenny holds her doll out towards me. The eyes look scattered, frantic. Oh no, this won't do at all. Something has gone wrong with this one. But what's this? A red ribbon in a basket? Well, that's just perfect. It's almost like the answer has fallen into a waiting lap. 
Jenna dear, could I trouble you to come back behind the counter? I've got to make some adjustments to your dollar. Well, I think you should be brought back to see it. I'm sure Sam won't mind. She did tell me that I was here and that the right moment would appear. It seems so silly, but I've been waiting apparently for you. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 40, A Friend Lost, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. The voice of Marissa Stevens is Scarlett Gray. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinistmusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our story so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold new tales within our universe. You can also join us at www.patreon.com slash callingfromelmlake to help support us as independent artists carving out our own space in this creative world. For those of you that are interested, you can find us sporadically posting on social media to add a little extra strangeness to your world. Curiosity is a natural human thing. We often find ourselves wanting to get answers to questions that have been lingering and percolating on the periphery of our minds. Take caution when trying to fill in the blanks caused by that curiosity, however. While answers can be satisfying, there are times where letting the questions remain is the more prudent course of action.